You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Good to be with you. And... Um, Okay, so, so, so we are finishing today um, our sermon series on worship in the wilderness. We've been uh, talking about wilderness. We've been trying to understand wilderness. Uh, we have looked at wilderness in our lives. We've uh, just wrestled with this idea of what it means to worship in the wilderness, Another sermon series that we're wrapping up today uh, comes from just the idea that right from the very first book in the Bible, we, we encountered this idea, this theme of wilderness. Yes, we read of people who actually physically spend time in the wilderness, but we very quickly come to discover it's so much more just about stories spending time physically in a barren uh, geographical place, but that wilderness is this metaphor for, you know, just the struggles of life, the, for the ups and downs of life, for the difficult seasons in life, the, for the seasons of life that, that gets us questioning and, and stresses us and, and worries us and depresses us. And so the idea of wilderness in the Bible really speaks into those life seasons. And so seeing that I spent time in the African wilderness, I thought it would be a good time to, uh, once I come back, to, to, to do a sermon series on worship in the wilderness. And so what we've done is we've looked at different characters in the Bible. We've looked at their wilderness experiences, their, their struggles, their stories, and our prayer and our hope has always been God. Um, as we look at their story, help us to understand our story. As we look at their wilderness experience, help us to understand our wilderness experience. Help us to learn more about our lives and ourselves, but more importantly than that, help us to learn more about you in relation to our wilderness. And I think we got to see a little bit of that. We got to learn about God and, and, and where God is when we are in wilderness and what God does when we are in wilderness seasons. And so that's been our series. We had some videos to go along with it, little daily devotions. I hope they were fun for you. They were fun to make. Uh, so, but now this is the end. And as you've heard, next week we're starting a new sermon series. We're going to look at one last character today who experienced wilderness. And, and in his story... I, I discover one final thought on wilderness. Uh, one final thing I want to leave with you before we move on from this series. We are going to look at this amazing character, and it really is a spectacular story, let me tell you. And I strongly urge you to, when you get home tonight, um, after you've watched uh, Max Verstappen win again, um, then, 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 then read this story. Uh, read the story of Elijah, uh, the story of Elijah, a beautiful story. We learn so much, and you'll come to discover there's such beautiful New Testament Jesus connections for us in the story of Elijah. So that's what we're going to look at. Um, so Elijah uh, lived and ministered. So if we just set the scene for ourselves, we know where we are. He lived and ministered around 872, three 
till about 8.52 or so before Jesus was born. Uh, that's the kind of time that he lived. And he, his life and his work, his, his ministry was all in response to what was going on in the world around him. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. But first, let me read you a few verses. Uh, we find his story in the, the first part of the Bible in a book called One Kings. One Kings chapter 19. And I've taken a selection of verses just to kind of put the story for us together a little bit. Let's uh, read it and then I'm going to explain it. So Jezebel... I'll tell you now where she is, don't worry. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. I'll explain. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Pause quickly. Do you recognize that name? Bathsheba. Please say yes. Because that'll tell thank you. Because that'll tell me that you listened in week one. Remember, it's the same place that Hagar, when you, you remember when she fled? When she stopped and met the same place, same town. Okay, just a fun side fact. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey where? Into the wilderness. So he's going into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. But then the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? The Lord then said to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to meet with you, to pass by. And then we have the whole story. Those of you will know the story. You can go and read it, 1 Kings 19. I'm going to skip this. And it's this whole dramatic moment where he goes to the mountain and God meets him. And we have this, we have this dramatic storm. And then we have an earthquake and we have a fire. And then we have silence. And God whispers and speaks to him in the silence. That's the whole story there. Okay, so Elijah lived, as I said, about 800 something or so years before Jesus, and um, his, his life and what he busied himself with, his ministry, we say, was all in response to what was going on in the world around him. What was going on in the world around him? Well, there was a king by the name of Ahab. Now, Ahab uh, was king of uh, Samaria, and he married a lady by the name of Jezebel. You heard of her in the passage I read. So Ahab marries Jezebel. Jezebel was the daughter of King Sidon, who was the, who was the king of the uh, state city of Tyre, uh, Phoenicia, the Phoenician king, today uh, in the region of Lebanon. So Ahab, Israel's king, marries this lady from Phoenicia and um, brings her back with him to Israel. Now, what makes this interesting is in Phoenicia, in Tyre, um, Jezebel and the people there, they worshipped a different god. They worshipped a god by the name of Baal, Baal, uh, 
there were many Baals. Uh, they, the Phoenicians in particular, worshipped the woes, the the religion of the Phoenicians on God's people, the worship of Baal. That was what she wanted. So she brought 450 priests of and prophets of Baal with her. They built, she built a big temple um, in Samaria, uh, next to the palace in Samaria, where they offered sacrifices to this God. And then, in fact, what she did was killed all God's prophets. Just kill them. Elijah was left. So now you can understand why the passage said, and he was afraid. And so in the passage, when Jezebel said, I, 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 I tell you today, Ahab, that by tomorrow this time, you're going to be dead. The same as them. So this is, this is the context. This is what's going on. And so in this, in this context of this um, move to, to rid the people of God of, of Yahweh, their God, and eradicate their worship of God. God raised up Elijah to stand against us and to speak against us and to minister against us. Interesting, do you, do you know what Elijah means? Elijah, El, Jah, it means, this is beautiful, it's so pretty, it means God, uh, Yahweh, is my God. That's what his name means. And then that's what his life was about. It means Yahweh is my God. Not this Phoenician Baal. Yahweh is my God. That's what Elijah means. Okay. And so God raises him up, and he now comes, and he, and he stands against what's going on. In the face of all his friends being murdered and killed, he stands up. And you remember that whole story with Elijah with, on top of Mount Carmel? Do you, do you remember that? Mount Carmel with all the prophets of Baal. It was the thing where they packed the stones. And remember with the sacrifice and pouring water over it and saying to them, okay, well, now it's your turn. You call your God to come and burn it up. Nothing happens. Elijah comes and he pours more water on there and he calls on Yahweh and God burns it all up. You remember that? Totally embarrassing the... Uh, Prophets of Baal. Well, now, here's what happens. So then Jezebel hears of this. She doesn't like it. And that's when she says, okay, you are dead, buddy. That's the end of you. And this is where we pick the story up. And so he's afraid and he flees. He runs. Verse 4. So, so just so you understand, so where we read the story now, understand that he's in the wilderness. There's a death sentence on his life. His friends have been killed. He's had to run away from home to Bathsheba, the edge of the desert. He's in the wilderness. He's struggling. He, 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 he does not know what tomorrow is going to bring. I'm, I'm literally running for my life. Talk about being in the wilderness. And so let's read verse 4. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, God. Anybody ever felt that way? Maybe you haven't prayed, Lord, I want to die, but maybe you, you've prayed, 
I've had enough, God. Enough. So he said, I've had enough, Lord. He said, he said, just take my life. I'm, I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. He, he was totally depressed. It's like He was just like spending the day in bed, as it were, in that sense. He was depressed. He was tired. He, he'd had enough. He was in the wilderness. The story is so good. <laughs> this is a great story. Then what happens is, right, messenger of God comes to him. So now he's, he's, he's at his end. He's sleeping under a tree, hoping that he's not going to wake up. A messenger of God comes to him. This is so beautiful. Doesn't say a thing. Doesn't talk, doesn't like give him a big sermon or a big speech. Says nothing. He wakes up. He must have like, heard, you know, heard something, whatever. What's going on? And there's this messenger of God. What does the messenger do? Go and read the story tonight, right? Cooks him breakfast. Doesn't say anything. He just, so, just imagine he wakes up. There's a guy sitting there, made a fire, making him fresh bread, a bit of water, cooks him breakfast. This is so good. And it says, Eat. There's a long journey ahead. You're going to need this. This makes him breakfast. Now, as New Testament believers, we are meant to, when we read that, we are meant to remember a few things. We're meant to remember Jesus feeding the multitudes. We are meant to think about that. We're meant to think about Jesus taking bread and, 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 and breaking it and giving it to his, to his disciples. Take and eat. This is my body for you. We are meant to remember after Jesus' resurrection. You remember, they are out doing their thing. What does he do? He goes to the beach and he makes fire and he cooks them breakfast. Feeding them. We're meant to think about those stories in the Bible when we read this. Because what we are meant to understand here is that you are in the wilderness. And the journey ahead is long, and it's going to be strenuous, and it's going to be difficult. And again, like we saw with Hagar and Joseph, God doesn't just come in and waves a magic wand, and you wake up, and everything is just beautiful and roses and, and sunshine and moonlight and all those things. But God comes, and He says, I know where you are. I know where to find you. I'm the God who sees, the God who hears, the God who knows where you are, and so I'll meet you where you're at, and I'm going to give you some food, and I give you what you need for the journey. You've got to be on this road, Elijah. You've got a journey ahead. But I'm going to cook you breakfast. I'm going to give you the food, the sustenance that you need to deal with the things that you need to deal with. To give you the strength to fight the battles that lie before you. Love it. So beautiful. Okay, so... Messenger of God makes him breakfast. Then he says, okay, now you've got a journey ahead. This is where it gets really, I mean, this is a crazy story, right? I want to show you a map. Let me show you a map. So now God says, okay, get up, have breakfast, go on your journey. Okay, so let's just orient ourselves. Mediterranean Sea, a Sea of Galilee, Dead Sea, Jordan River, Israel here, Northern Kingdom, uh, Jerusalem over here. So Bathsheba is down there. Uh, that's where he was, where this happens. 
And then, so here is the Sinai Peninsula. Here's the desert. That's Egypt over there. So he traveled from up there somewhere all the way down, running away, finds himself somewhere right here on the edge of the desert. And so now God has have given him now what he needs for the journey. And where does he go back? He now is now strengthening so that he's ready to go and face the battles there. No. That would be a boring story. This is not a boring story. That's not where he goes. He's in the wilderness. Where does he go? He keeps going. He travels all the way down here, somewhere here. He travels deeper into the wilderness, into the heart of the wilderness. No wonder the angel cooked him breakfast. He goes into the wilderness. Why? Why does he go there? Why does he go all the way down the Sinai Peninsula, somewhere there? What's there? Where is he going? Mount Sinai. Or Mount Horeb, same thing. Or the mountain of the Lord, same thing. What happened there? Come on, church people, you should know this. What happened there? <laughs> right? That's the place where Moses fasted 40 days and 40 nights. That's the place where Moses met God, encountered God. It's the place, remember, where Moses said, God, I want to see you. God said, no, you, but you're going to die. It'll be just too much. You can't, you can't handle that. But if you, I'll tell you when, and just as the train of my glory passes by, that you can handle. It's a place where, where Moses encounters God, right? This is the, so, so now he goes, this is so beautiful, 40 days, 40 nights, he travels to get to the place where Moses spent 40 days, 40 nights fasting to meet with God. It's the place where God gave them the, the Ten Commandments. That's where he goes. In other words, he goes to the place where God said, you are my people and I am your God. He goes back to the place of covenant. Where God made a covenant, where God made promises. He's going back to the place of promise, of covenant. He's going back to the good news. So in his place of wilderness, where does he go? He goes back to where his story begins. He goes back to where his faith started. He goes back to remember God's covenant with them. That place where God said, listen, all these nations, all these Phoenicians and all the rest of it, you are my people, I'm your God, I've got you, and nothing's going to change that. He goes back to that place of promise. To that place of covenant, he goes to remember where and how it started. He remembers the good news because we know good news lifts us, doesn't it? Hey, Paul, you've just won the lottery. What? You get to your bedroom and, and, and there's a little note from your kids, uh, your teenagers. Dad, we love you. 
I'm in a, I'm, 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 I'm in a sad state of mind, but, but that bit of good news, that's what good news does. It changes our perspective. Good news lifts our mood. It, it strengthens us. It makes us ready for what lies ahead. It makes you ready for the day. It makes you ready for the battle. And here's what's going on. He goes to the place where Moses met with God, where God made promises to the people of Israel. You are mine. I'm yours. Made covenant. And he goes there to remember the promises of God, the covenant of God. He goes back to the good news. Don't you think that's special? Don't you think that's beautiful? And of course, there are all kinds of connections, and this is what we are meant to do as New Testament believers. So he's in the wilderness for 40 days and nights to go to this place. Moses there, 40 days, fasting to meet with God. Who else was in the wilderness for 40 days? Jesus. When Jesus was on the mountain of transfiguration, who appeared to him? Moses and Elijah. See, now we make connections. Now, okay, hang on a minute. So what does this now mean for you and me as New Testament believers? When I'm in the wilderness, where do I go? What do I do when I'm in a season of heartbreak and struggle and I don't know where to go? I don't know where to turn. I remember the good news. That's where I go. I go back and I remember the covenant. And as New Testament believers, I remember Jesus saying on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, broke it, gave it to his disciples, said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. The cup gave thanks. Take and drink. This is my blood poured out for you. And with this, I'm establishing a, a new covenant. And whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so Elijah remembered the promises and the covenant of God. And so what do I do in wilderness when I'm struggling? I remember the new covenant. I remember the good news. What is this new covenant? It's good news. What is the good news? Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. What did he mean by do it in remembrance of me? Do what? In remembrance of me. Eat bread and, and, and drink some juice? No. When he said, do this in remembrance of me, he was saying, life, live your life in remembrance of me. Live life remembering me, the covenant I made with you, who you are to me and who I am to you. Remember that when life is joyous, remember me. When you're in the wilderness, remember me. That's the way out of the wilderness, remembering me, living a life of remembrance. That's what got Elijah out of the wilderness. He remembered the covenant. He remembered the good news, the promises of God. And so remembering the good news reconnects me with my future. And from there, he went back. What an amazing story. I want to say to you, I believe part of the reason why God allows wilderness in our lives is to get us to go back to Mount Sinai, to Mount Horeb, to the mountain of the Lord. It's to, it, it's to call us back 
to remember, to live a life of remembrance. It's to, call, it's to remind us so that we go back to the heart of worship because that's what it is. I think part of the reason why God allows wilderness in our lives is to call us back to the mountain of the Lord, to call us back to remember the good news, the covenant that God has made with you that says, you are mine, I am yours. No wilderness experience is greater than this covenant I made with you in and through my son, Jesus Christ. You must remember this, and that's the thing that will lift you out of your wilderness, that remembering of the covenant of God that God made with you and sealed with you through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. No struggle, no pain, no loss, no health issue, no financial issue, no relational issue is bigger and stronger and more powerful than this covenant that God has made with you in his son, Jesus Christ. He says, remember the good news. You are mine and I'm yours and I've got you and whatever is going on in your life. So in the wilderness, where do I go? Go back to the good news. So I want to show you a photo. Um, This is quite a significant photo for me. That's me. Uh, in the African wilderness, I, I spent the morning, and with the photo's perspective, you might not realize this, but it's a mountain. So I had to literally spend the morning climbing at, up that mountain, and I was remembering. I was remembering. You see, and so why, let me just say, okay, let me first tell my story. So I was remembering. The good news, as I was sitting in the wilderness, thinking about my life and thinking about this struggle and that struggle and and how this happened in the past and this and all the rest of it, just thinking about my life, I remembered the story of Elijah. I remembered when he was in the wilderness sitting under the tree, how God took him back to the good news. And all of a sudden, as I was sitting and remembering my pain and my struggle and the things and this and that and all the rest of it, and, uh, you know, God said, let me take you back to the good news. And then I started remembering differently. Then I started, as I was sitting there, then I remembered, ah, I remember that Friday night at youth group when the worship team played and they played Keith Green. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Great song. I don't know if anybody knows that. And I gave my life to Jesus. I went back like Elijah did to where my faith started. And I remembered the promises that God made to me. I remembered my call. I remembered why I I, I do this, why I'm here. I was remembering. And then it lifted my spirit. And I felt like I was in wilderness no more. And then I discovered as I was remembering my story, as I'm remembering God's faithfulness and God's hand upon my life and, and just, you know, as I said, you know, the promises of God and the good news. And it lifted me. I felt better. I felt sustained. I felt strengthened. I felt fed. I felt bring on the wilderness. I'm ready for it. And then I realized what tree I was sitting under as I was remembering my life and my call. Do you, do you know what kind of a tree that is? It's a shepherd's tree. Isn't that cool? A shepherd's tree. So for a brief moment, I thought, well, maybe I should just become a professional field guide. You know, just leave the old church business, just be in the bush. Then I sat under the shepherd's tree, and I was reminded of 
And as I remember the good news, it reconnects me with my future and my destiny and God's plan for me and God's love for me. And I feel ready for the future. Live a life of remembrance. Remember the good news. Remember the covenant that Jesus made with you. So wilderness calls us. I'm done. Well, not quite, but, but almost. God allows wilderness in our lives to call us to live a life of remembrance of the good news, okay? But what does that mean? There's another word for it. It's called worship. So I think wilderness is often allowed in our lives to call us back to our creator, to call us back to worship God, not self. It calls us back to, to the heart of it all, which is worshiping the one who made you and loves you like no one ever can or will. That's what wilderness does. It calls us back to worship. And so I want to conclude by saying this to you. In all the stories that we've done, as we, as we look at the characters and we look at their stories, it actually unravels for us what worship is and what it means to worship in the wilderness, what worship looks like. The, the elements, I believe, some of the elements not all, that comprises worship. So what I did was I, I, I tried to make a little, um, what do you call it, an acrostic of the word worship. Uh, taken out of the stories we've done, Joseph and Hagar and David and Elijah. Here it is, what I think it means to live a life of worship, to live a life of remembrance, remembering the good news. Okay, W, H, let's go quickly. W first, my time's up. If you look at these stories, look at, look at Joseph. He was in prison for 13 years. I think part of worship is learning how to wait on the Lord. That's worship. Waiting on, 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 on God's timing. Waiting on God's voice. Waiting. That's what it means to live a life of remembrance. That's what it means to worship. It's so much more than just singing songs. I think it's learning to wait on God. Okay, next one. Oh, living in obedience. I think that's worship. That's living a life of remembrance. That's what it means to go back to the covenant, back to the good news, is to live in obedience to God. That's worship. Look at all these characters. Look at David. Look at, look at Hagar. Well, I want to run away. God says, no, go back. And she is obedient and she goes back. To worship God is to live a life of obedience. Joseph, just doing the next right thing. Obedient today, tomorrow. Obedience. Okay, next one. Uh, R. I think to worship in the wilderness means to recognize the value, to retreat. As all these characters did, there were moments of lying under a tree, retreating in order to encounter God, to meet with God. It was in the retreating that Elijah met God. In the quiet, the gentle whisper, in the silence that he met him and he heard his voice. And so what I want to say to you there is I think part of worship and, 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 and living in seasons of wilderness, please work into your life time to retreat and wait on God. With David, we learned part of that retreating means there are going to be times where you need to say, God, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. Repentance, please forgive me of this. That's worship. Retreating and repenting. And we can add another R. Remembering the good news. It's worship. Okay, next one. Uh, next one, H. Well, no, S. Ah, there we go. <coughs> Look at all the stories that we've looked at. And part of worship means to surrender, to surrender my plans. I mean, if only Abram and Sarah learned that at the beginning. You know, we try and fix our wilderness ourselves, but I think part of worshiping God, part of living a life of, life of remembrance, saying, God, I surrender my ideas, my plans, the way I think things should be and how they should be. I surrender to your lordship, to your kingship. You are God, not me. Surrender, silence. The story of Elijah teaches us part of worship is to retreat into times of silence. Right, okay, next one. H, humility. Psalm 51, David. Humbling ourselves before God, bowing the knee before God. I think it's part of what it means to worship in seasons of wilderness. Intercession. Part of what it means to worship in wilderness is to, is to be intentional about spending time in prayer with God. So important. Look at all these stories. They spend substantial amount of time talking with God, communing with God, retreating so that they can pray and say, God, what about this? God, I've had enough. Make time in your season of wilderness to talk to God. And what you're doing is you're worshiping in the wilderness. And then I think we're done. Last one. Praise and prayer. The end. Where do I go? I go back to the good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am just so aware that each and every one of us here, each and every one of us here, understand the concept of wilderness. We've been there, and for some of us, we are there. stories we've looked at over the last four weeks, we, we recognize human nature and, and we recognize our own nature in the actions of these characters we looked at and we recognize ourselves. But it was so good, Lord, just to, just to learn about you, where you are, to learn about your nature and your character. Lord, and we learn that you, you cook us breakfast, you give us what we need to sustain us for the journey ahead. You are the God who hears and sees and knows where to find us. Even if I'm lying depressed under a random broom bush in the middle of nowhere, you know where I'm at. No matter with David, no matter how bad I've messed up, you are the God of the second chances. And in Elijah, we just we were just reminded that what do we do? Where do we go? What should dominate our thinking in seasons of wilderness? Well, Lord, he reminds us to, to go back to the good news and to live a life remembering that we are children of God. 
that Jesus made that possible. And that no Jezebel or Ahab or whatever is greater. No wilderness is bigger or stronger than you and your love for us and your desire to see us flourish and mature and grow. Death and wilderness does not and will never have the final say in my life. Jesus will. Be with us, Lord, for those experiencing wilderness. As they remember the good news, draw close to them, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time. You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.